When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Gilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They'll be looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! 1-1. Uh, so, 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 no, Max Matter, Matter, the chance for Sligo, it's in! Max Matter scored for Sligo Lovers! Great ball in from Aidan Keena, played it right across the goal, and Max Matter was there for Sligo Rovers, and Sligo Rovers have equalised. It is Sligo Rovers 1, Bohemians 1, Max Matter's goal here at the showgrounds, but the ball came in from Aidan Keena, ball in behind the defence, and the New Zealand was there was there to pick up the pieces and find the back of the net for his seventh goal of the season. So here at the showground, Sligo Rovers won, Bohemians won, Max Matter's goal has level proceedings here. And we now, Sligo Rovers have dealt with that one there out behind and it is a throw-in to Sligo Rovers and the crowd getting behind the time here at the showground. Crowd in unison, the Jinx Avenue stand, the pet shop end, and here at the Tracy Avenue stand, Sligo Rovers getting the backing of their support. Can they answer that one with another goal on the pitch to give them the lead? Sligo Rovers won, Bohemians won. Max Matter's goal equalising after John O'Sullivan's opener. Now Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald looking to get the ball in the box, handball says the crowd, but Fitzgerald gets the ball in the box looking for a leave Is he fouled over when he fires Massa? Massa shot! It's in! Max Massa scored for Sligo Rovers! What a finish there by Max Mata. Frank Liebach thought he was going to get on it. It only came as a New Zealander. And Max Mata has doubled his account here at the showgrounds. And Sligo Rovers now lead here by two goals to one. Max Mata, who came on at halftime, has scored his second goal of the game. Sligo Rovers second and eighth goal of the season for the New Zealander. Sligo Rovers two, Bohemians one. Max Mata at the double. Welcome along to episode number 72 of the Bitter X Supporters Trust podcast. Ronan Flanagan here with you again this week. And this week, I am delighted to be joined, first of all, by Sean Dunn. Sean, how are you? All good, Ronan. How are you keeping? Connor Lynch, how are you? I'm very good. Great to be back. Uh, I won't go into the nitty gritty of um, why I was uh, why I was sent away, not allowed on the podcast for the last number of weeks. Um, but you know for, the you moment, for the moment, I'm just glad to be back. Donald Kelly, Donald, how are you? Tip top, Ronan. Thanks very much. And Shane McGoo McGolder. Shane, how are you? I'm good. Full crew tonight, Ronan. Probably nearly over by the time you got as far as me. <laughs> this week, we will look back on last week's Viking game in Norway. As well as that, we will look back on the Bohemians' home league game last Sunday. We will hear your shouts from the shed end. As well as that, we will discuss the latest news surrounding Sligo Rovers, including the women's team and the news of Aina Clancy signing a professional contract with the club. And as well as that, we will look ahead to the Vikings' second leg on Thursday and the Pats League game on Sunday. So, first of all, we'll go back to the Viking game on Sunday, lads. Sean, I'll start with you. Um, 
a lot of people saying golfing class on Thursday. What do you make of it yourself? Uh, definitely. I think that's it's an easy assumption, assumption to jump on straight away. You could see it. It was clear as day. They're an excellent team. Really, really good side. Technically brilliant. Um, there was, they didn't let us settle into the game at all. And I think if you look in our previous two European games in terms of Bala and Motherwell, both of them let us settle into the game. There wasn't any mad tempo in the first 10, 15 minutes of either of them. But with Viking the other night, it was just bang. From the off, they were at it. There was no messing about. And they killed us in the first 10 minutes. Two goals, two soccer punches. We couldn't get it. We couldn't get up to speed quick enough. And we just, we weren't focused in. And it was surprising with the lads as well, because, you know, they've been so good in Europe this season. But you just see, you come up against these teams in Europe. That's, that's what happens. You know, you, the golfing quality becomes obvious sometimes. And those first 10 minutes were, were vital. But the sad thing is, if you cut them first 10 minutes for the rest of the first half, it's hard to separate the two teams. Because we, we finally did settle into the game and I thought we, we held our own throughout. We had a couple of opportunities. Fair enough, nothing too clear cut, but we did hold our own. And, you know, we looked an impressive side at times, but it's just that difference in the first 10 minutes. And I think that kind of killed us off, really. And Connor Tromish in there, the first 10 minutes, just as we know ourselves, how important was it that, I suppose, keep it tight for the first 10 minutes? That didn't happen on last Thursday evening. Yeah, we look at it as as Sean alluded to, and they were they were real they were a completely different proposition to what we faced so far. Um, you know they were they were, they were a different league really in comparison to to Bala and um, Motherwell. Um, Motherwell probably played a game or had a game plan that that suited us. Um, they were also not in a, you know, from a first team point of view and from a manager point of view, there was they were probably they're an unsettled side, uh, and that was obvious in what happened afterwards with uh, the manager leaving. Whereas Viking uh, knew exactly what they were about, and they played. I suppose you know in that opening ten minutes they were playing some pretty smart football, and they were probably playing a, a style of football that we hadn't been up against in the league in their the speed that they moved the ball. Um, and like I suppose what they what they did to us wasn't, uh, you know, it, it wasn't amazing football, but just that they could they could move the ball from one side of the pitch to the other side of the pitch very quickly, very very accurately, and that made things very difficult for us. And like they were getting in around the back, and they were just kind of causing us all sorts of problems. That there were problems I suppose that we hadn't faced uh, at that level before, and um, that was that was the difference. And like, yeah, we settled into the game, but like, it was done and dusted. That's the suppose, wasn't it? That's not to say that uh, we're out of the we're out of the tie yet. And Donald, <laughs> yeah, Ronan, just like like what the lads were saying, it was a golfing class day. It, something we spoke about last week was uh, midfielders breaking into the box, and they had plenty of that. Like they got in behind the easily. They used every yard of their pitch. Uh, they really stretched us. And they had they had guys breaking from midfield into the box. And one thing I noticed about about Viking was like every every shot they had on goal was there's nothing forced, there's nothing um, it, uh, rushed about them at all. Every every shot they had on goal was in target, and they worked the keeper. If they didn't score, they worked the keeper. Uh, like Connor was saying, we the after the the first 
10 minutes of the game, we did come into it safe. The, after we conceded the two goals, we, we did come into the game. We were decent enough for the rest of the second half, which did feel there was more gears in them and they did prove that in the second half. So, uh, in fairness to us, we did keep going. We got a goal near the end. And, uh, you know, like, obviously, we, we still have a second leg to go for uh, just to, to kind of redeem ourselves, I suppose. And, uh, Whatever, like, but uh, yeah, definitely they were they were a step above it. We faced up there anyway, yeah. And Magoo, I suppose you never want to lose, but the manner of the defeat, kind of the, the scoreline, is that the most disappointing aspect in your point of view? Do you think? Um. Well, I I, I think the most disappointing aspect for me is the first ten minutes. Like that's, you know, you you can't you can't win a game in in the first ten minutes, but you can definitely lose a game, and we lost it in the first ten minutes. So that'd be the most disappointing because you know you're going out with high hopes, you've big expectations and all that and then seven minutes into the game and it's over like effectively and uh, like like Laz was saying I, I I probably last week I probably in my own head I, don't, I didn't say it I don't think but in my own head I probably didn't give them as much credit I thought to be strong and physical and stuff you know down the wings and cross the ball the but Jesus technically they were very good like and the the pace at which they could move the ball and the tempo they said like slow slow quick whenever they wanted it quickened it up uh, lads, boys, same break from me. Third man runners, like three of three of the goals we can see, I think, were from third man runners, where they, they pulled us apart. The next thing, a man ran off the back of one of our midfielders and ghosted into the box. Like I think that three times, like as well. The first, I say the first fifteen minutes. I think it was like the first 15, 20 minutes. They kind of set out with the game plan of big switches. You know, I'd say they came and watched us and saw a small tight pitch. They used the small tight pitch. Well. Use as much of our own pitch as we can, and you could see at the first ten minutes, big switches. The first two goals came from it. big, huge switches. First goal was two switches: a big switch over to the left back, big, huge switch over to the, the right winger, and next thing, there was a lot on the overlap, not tracks, straight in. And the same with the second one, the left back on the overlap from a big switch. And I think one of them in the second half as well. They were playing around. The next thing, a man running off our midfield, frees a bird into the box. And there was just, I thought everything about them was a class above what we faced before. They were quick, big physical lads, strong as quick, technically very good in the ball, intelligent footballers. Um, just, like, it, it's, I don't know where to to start with Thursday, like, what you're looking at. Well, the, the other thing, just before we go on to Thursday, the other thing that probably didn't do us any favours, well, definitely didn't do us any favours, was the fact that we lost, um, you know, one of our most more energetic midfielders after eight minutes. So I can't remember if uh, McDonald went off before Viking had scored their uh, second goal. Um, I think, I think they might have scored the second goal, and he went off injured. But he, that uh, level of energy that that um, McDonald brings was probably going to be really important for you know the the sixty minutes of the game and. Uh, like who came on? Mata came on for him, um, which saw Keane dropping back, back into the his kind of attacking midfielder role, or all over the the field wherever he's required kind of role. And um, you know, from from the from the prospect of trying to keep things tight, I'd say McDonald was going to be important um, to tr- to try and maintain that. Uh, so like that that was a, that was a big thing that went against us. I think another aspect as well that was overlooked by definitely us, the fans, uh, wouldn't have been by John or Ryan, but um, is the fact that they're 18 games into a league season. 
you know, they were fit and ready to go. We had Motherwell and Bala were both in pre-season when we met them. You know, that's the that's the joys of us playing summer football. That's the reason for it is to give us uh, an upper hand on some on most of the European sides. But with them, like them being 18 games into a season, you could see every every bit of it. They were fit, ready to go. They were switched on. They were right on point from the start. And even tactically, you know, they got it bang on. They didn't underestimate us in any way, shape or form. Their manager done his homework on us. You know, he went with wing backs and put three in. He put three midfielders in the middle and it, it, it sucked us in. It create, On that bigger pitch alone, it even created more space because he knew our wingers would have to tuck in tight again, you know, to deal with these three in the middle. And it just opened up the pitch for them. They'd done everything right. In fairness, it worked out for them. But... So be it. We live and we, learn from it. We also lost Buckley as well before the third goal, which was, you know, another kind of unsettling factor, I suppose. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. I, I, I just think that they were, they were that good that, you know, I, I don't think it would have mattered. I, I think the only thing that would have mattered that would have made any difference for us if we, to keep a scoreless for the first 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Then yeah. that might have... What might it have done, Magoo? Might have kept us in the game, we'll see. That's it, that's what he was going to go for. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be back. But, like, I suppose the kind of game plan that the side rowers had set up with, they have three centre midfielders and losing Adam McDonald is, um, like, Sean, that's just, you know, your game plan, it's not ripped up, but, like, you know, you plan for that during the week and, you know, it's... You can't. It kind of is ripped up, to be honest yeah. with you, Ronan. You know, I think even, you know, in John Russell's aftermatch, you know, he's kind of on about after the first goal conceding so early, his game plan has gone out the window. You know, he wasn't, he was devastated by that. You could see by it because I'm sure, as Magoo was saying there, you know, you're looking to keep those 10, first 10, 15 minutes tight, compact, feel your way into the game, try and unsettle them a little bit close off a few avenues for them. We weren't looking to attack straight away. We were never going to go there and go gung-ho or anything like that. Maybe pick them off on the break if we could. But I do, I, get the, I do get the feeling that we, we tried to bring a physical game to them. And you, you remember uh, McDonald got booked in the first couple of minutes. He went flying into a tackle. Yeah. I'd say we did try, you know. That's I'd where say. he injures himself, actually. Yeah, that was. But actually, I, I thought it might have been a three-hour way. That tackle them, that... McDonald got injured and I thought it might have been a free hour away and then I think he might have been crocked uh, after that then they did score before he came off right yeah yeah. they scored before he came off to make a 2-0 did they yeah uh, yeah but I'd say I'd say they did say like you know we won't let them there'll be no no quarter given like you know um, which you know I, I, got, I don't know from a mindset point of view whether you know if you're keeping it tight um you, you probably you don't want to be going into challenges 100 miles an hour you know you want to be more much more controlled because if you're you know if if the if the mindset is sticking to them and you're going into big challenge like that and you miss a challenge that's a midfielder who's out of the game and um i mean not out of the game through injury but like you know if if um if it attack was time wrong and somebody skips by you're in trouble like you know whereas if you're keeping it tight nice and tight you're you know your your challenges are more measured and you're less likely to to um, just be just be as physical as maybe. The, well, there's a perfect there's a perfect example that for that Connor in the first goal, you know where Paddy Kirk where it comes out to their right midfielder, he takes a touch, Paddy steps off him, but then dives in at the second attempt, and that's 
that's you couldn't ask for better for a right midfielder. He's wanting you to do that. You've committed yourself. You're gone. You're out of the game. Whereas Paddy, all he has to do is just show him up. Just show him out. Let him make make the make the right winger just play the ball back into the center of the pitch where we have bodies where we can get something there. We can get a touch. We can get an interception. Don't you have to make sure that cross doesn't go into the box? And what did we do? We let that Paddy dives in where he shouldn't be diving in because he's diving in at the edge of the area where he can also give away a penalty if if it you know if he doesn't get it right. He doesn't time it properly. Right midfielder is a clear. Just think it into the box. Bang. One nil. Can't be diving in. That's the level we're at here in Europe. You can't be diving. You can't do it in the League of Ireland. Never mind the European level. No, I, I think it's a huge learning curve. That, that's that's a very young team that we have, and to play against a team like that, and like they were, they were so smooth. Like they, they were so good on the ball. They were so composed. Like we can only learn from that, and hopefully, you know, like carry that into the the, the latter stages of the season because there was an education playing against those lads there on on last Thursday night. Anyway, it's how you developed them. It's. Yeah. It's a perfect learning curve. It's, it's brilliant for the for them going forward. You know, you don't take look. You'll hear other supporters on about not like Rovers fans, but opposition fans. You know, oh, you got walloped in Europe, and that. so what? You t- you take your licks and you move on, but you use it as an education purpose. So you do as well. It's great experience, and also look at the end of the day, you take away from the you don't take away from the fact as well. There was playing at an Astro as well, and that's a nightmare in itself. Something we're not used to. You know, and you could even see the lads, they couldn't judge the bounce of the ball properly. Because not, not every Astro, even you could go down in the showgrounds one, they don't bounce the same. You don't know where the ball is going to go sometimes. No, you could see it. You could see it that chance in the first half too when, it, when Keenan was clear through. And the ball just stuck under his face. And that was totally the Astro that done that. He yeah. didn't know. He couldn't judge it. He took a touch for the wrong time and it got stuck under his face. There were only, if you could see before, just before the game started too, they had the sprinklers out. And they're rolling water on one side of the pitch, and like the, the side we were taking was sticky as fuck. Yeah, you you see that like on a normal pitch, Magoo, that that runs a yard ahead of Kena. He barely has yeah. to take a touch on it, and you know it, the ball is doing the work for him nearly. Yeah, and he just cuts across the defender, then they can't touch yeah. him. in a goal. Who won the toss, Magoo? I don't know. Who? Who won the toss? Watch out for again. Yeah, it's one to watch out for again. Like, I didn't notice that now. <laughs> And I suppose going, you're talking about the, our their right winger there, Donald. He's um, our right winger, Frank Levac, we were talking about there. You were impressed with the cameo that he made. Yeah, the, the, well, like he won the penalty kick. Um, you know, like that's the second penalty kick he's won for us. Like he is making a contribution, and you can see there is football in him. Um, so hopefully, with more game time, like we we see the best of Frank for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he won the he won the penalty and, for, and, and he kind of worked it well, I suppose. Um, but I think, um, personally speaking, uh, like you know, is he is he uh, is he better than what we have already in wide positions? Sean, you would say yes. I would say uh, maybe not. I would say yes in a quality aspect. Yeah, um, I don't think he can fault the and just I. I only say that because, look, he's playing out wide right, so you can only judge him against Carlos Sullivan. You know, so quality-wise, yeah, I think he's excellent on the ball. I think you've seen that in the second half there against Bose. Sorry, jumping on now from Viking, but um, just to give that example. But uh, even against Viking as well, I thought there was there was glimpses where he's on the ball where he's technically very good. 
And I think with Frank, and he's getting a bit of stick at the moment, well, not a bit of stick, but people are kind of questioning, oh, will he settle or will he not? But um, like he's a, he's a number 10. He's not a right midfielder. So he's not. I think he's, he is playing right midfield at the moment because I think he's been helped settle into the side. And the way we're playing at the moment, our number 10 is extremely influential on our, on our overall play. And Keane is in there at the moment and he's, he's outstanding in the number 10. So you, you're not going to oust him out of there. So I think Frank is just, he's in on the right-hand side. He's feeding his way into the team. I think he will come good for us. I think he'll come really good, to be honest. And I think he, he will be more central next season. Um, you can see it in him anyway. Look, for a right-footed player out wide, playing wide right, he never goes by the outside of the left full. He cuts inside every time. He's finding his natural position on the pitch, and that's inside. That's where he's comfortable. That's where he feels he can affect the game best. I think, well, you'll like, see it. I think you'll see it next season. I, I, I hope you're right, John. And like, what I wanted to see, and maybe Burton is this person. And actually, mm. I, I just go back to a point as well after I say this, but you know, what Aidan Keane is doing at the moment is over and above what anybody wants him to be doing. I would say, uh, you know, he, he's he has to he's go looking for the ball. Uh, he's creating play. He's he's effective in everything that he does. But I would. I would say that we all want him higher up the pitch uh, in maybe more, well, with mo- uh, giving more of his time towards uh, like a purely attacking role. And I, and I hope Frank does come good, but I would say um, maybe on the back of the Bowles game, um, we might we might be in a stronger position midfield-wise with Burton from what I saw of him when he came on. But the other point that I wanted to make is actually something that Magoo had raised when we were watching the Viking game with 20 minutes to go. And I know everybody praises uh, John Russell for making substitutions at the right time. And he did that against Bowles, but surely, and all I'm doing here is reiterating the point that Magoo made a couple of days ago when we were, when we were watching the game, surely there was an opportunity when we were four nil down or three nil down to get some of the less experienced players or the new guys who are new to the team onto the pitch playing together in a game that was kind of done and dusted at that stage. I, Go on, Sean, yeah. Just to jump in, I don't want to be jumping in over the lads there. Um, just on that one, though, Connor, would you feel, though, from Russell's point of view, that maybe he was looking at we're 4 0 down and it could be a confidence issue where you make too many changes, maybe things aren't as settled as they need to be, and you go and you can see maybe another three goals? Well, yeah, and, and, I, I and people, say... people are going, I oh, hear what was this? That was absolutely rank altogether. Yeah, people start getting a bit of abuse, it's not good for team morale going forward. You could, he could, he could have been no, looking at that, like, that point yeah, of view. I get it absolutely, and I suppose as well, like in, to kind of back up what you're saying even more. You know, if we got another goal when it was four nil, and um, you know the game finishes four two, we're saying that we're still in it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking shy as usual. But if <laughs> <laughs> yeah. go back to Frank, though, I think, and jumping ahead like uh, to the balls game again. And just when you touched on Keena there as well in the number 10, I think the closer the likes of Keena and Mada and Burton, especially when he came on as well, the closer they are to him, the better you'll see Frank. Yep. Like, you know, he's dealing with a lot of diagonal balls from centre halves and stuff like that, uh, down his throat, trying to control him on his neck. Like, look, he's, he's a lad from Eastern Europe. He's not going to be, get up and head that ball and, you know, we expect the, all these fellas to fucking challenge everything. That's not their game. 
He's no GA, he has no GA background as far as I know. He's cultured. He's cultured. He's cultured. He's cultured. Yeah. yeah, them them, them lads want the ball on the deck, like, and you know, you'll see. I think the, the closer lads are to him with uh, 15, 20 yard passes into his feet or in behind and stuff like that. I think you'll see you'll see more out of Frank, the the the, the better footballers we have on the pitch, aka Burton, Keane, closer to him, that kind of I, stuff. I think you've seen it already with uh, another example is Will Fitzgerald since Russell's taken over. We have played the ball a lot better in the final third on the deck where we've tried to play it in behind properly and you've seen an awful lot with Will is now where boys are just playing, are just skidding it ahead of him a little bit and giving him something to roll onto and get, and get you know, touch tight with it and he's able to dance by players. He's not chasing high balls or, you know, as you were saying, Miguel, these big long diags, they're no good to them kind of players. Because he's not going to go up and win a ball in the air. He'll try, but he doesn't have a spring in him, like. No. And then, like... You've seen him, the way he links with Keane, when Keane is in the 10, like Fitzgerald as well. It's excellent. You know what I mean? He gets he gets into lovely positions and he can get in around the fullback then as well. Yeah. We we, we, we have a lot of good footballers. We just need... We need, like... So, so I was saying last week, that, uh, someone to control the game. And then Burton looks like he could be that lad. Like, we need someone to, to, to knit it together. Burton looks like he could be the guy, yeah. Bring the bring lads into play on a regular basis. Like bring your more dangerous, your more effective players. You need them on the ball as much as you can, like to hurt opposition and uh, in areas they want it and and you know give them passes and balls that they can do stuff with and what they want. So uh, that that's just my I think like we're building Burton up here big time and and Frank, but like from what I've seen of Burton so far, like I, I really think he could be Burton is the future. Have no doubt about it. Yeah, he could be a difference maker to us for the rest of the season. Like, Right, lads, we'll move on now to the Bulls game on Sunday. Donald, three valuable points. Important points as well. Because yeah, it was a game of two halves, Ronan. Uh, first half, very poor. Um, albeit, Bulls weren't that much better than us, to be fair. They didn't create all that much. But second half, the two substitutions, um, bringing on Mata and bringing on uh, Burton, absolutely changed the game. It was fantastic. Uh, as the boys were saying there, Burton, he's just, he, he, he seems just to, he's, he's able to hit the back four and the attacking players, he's just getting on the ball, he's, he's knitting things together and uh, he, he got us going. The speed of our passing was much better. I always remember Paul Cook uh, on the touchline, he'd be shouting, pass faster, faster, faster. We were so slow in the first half. Everything was sideways, backwards, sideways, backwards. Burton came on and we were just looking forward. We were looking to just to, probe forward um, and it was even though we went to goal behind like we showed great character to come back and, and score two quality goals and should have been more actually in fairness we could have scored a lot more uh, but a fantastic second half performance absolutely and Connor Bulls probably should have been 2-0 uh, up uh, before half time I think they had two they didn't they didn't create many good chances but they had two opportunities that were not far from being cleared off the line um, so I think we were kind of lucky in that regard, and um, as I said previously, like the most obvious difference to me uh, on game day between John Russell and our previous manager is is Russell's ability to see when changes need to be made and to make those changes at the right time. And um, yeah, like we're we're we're, we're talking up uh, Burton a lot, but. Um, what I like about him is he, he he's you know what I've been looking for from midfielder from the for the last year or so is you know a big kind of strong physical presence in the middle of the middle of the park, 
Burton isn't that in stature, but I think he, he brings it in heart and ability. And for the first goal, no, for the second goal that we scored against Bulls, um, you could see that in Burton that he he's on, he's on his arse um, in possession of the ball and he still manages to find the pass. Uh, he plays it out wide to um, to Fitzgerald, I think, and that move leads to the goal. But he he has a physicality and a technical ability that he's happy to take the ball while under pressure, which is something that I hope it, you know leads to real positives for us going forward. I think that's those they they're the sort of qualities that we potentially have been lacking over the last while. And Magoo, there we touching on Robbie Burton, like I suppose he offers us something that wasn't there before. Like he, he's, I does, yeah, he's, he's, he's a, like he's a very, he's a really probably he's so intelligent. But you can see how well coached he is. So always on the move, always looking for the ball. As Connor said, he'll take him under pressure, no problem. The thing I loved about him too was the the the, the areas he was taking up when we didn't have the ball. Or when we were going forward and when we lost the ball, he always seemed to be in the right place to intercept it. Or it was one stage he was, he was filling in at left back. He saw just the intelligence Kirk had bound forward. And I was just watching him like, and I think Kirk, when he hit it too far ahead of him, you could just see him, once he saw Kirk take a heavy touch, he, he stepped over to his left about five or six yards, like just covering the space, so intelligent. But never lose the ball, always looking first, uh, always available for the pass. Everything is one and two touch. Aware of everything around him, he, he's he's great to watch. But he he's he's it's not just uh how do they say it's not just a front or a facade. Like it it's there's purpose to it. Everything like it, there was there was times you know and you hear people get annoyed. Like he he got the ball, he, he gave it one touch to Kirk, went ten yards, got it back off him, and played it over to to the Pineacker, and he was running parallel along the Pineacker, and you can see he was looking up as he was running. And he wanted Pineacker just to stand it back to him, a little short stab back to him, and he was just going to, i say, whip it either down the line or look for one in behind the full-back or down the side of the centre-half or something like that. But our lads, the centre-halves, and it's not against them, it's just the way we've been playing lately. Pineacker took a couple extra touches on it because they've been the ones who've been tasked usually with playing, bringing balls out of defence and stuff like that. So it might take a couple of weeks to get used to that, but you can see that and that's what he wants to do. He just he he would ping it into Pineacker and he was running over and the head was up looking around for what was on and he just wanted Pineacker to just lay it up for him so he could just spread one really quickly turn to their defence maybe get Frank in or Matt down the side or something like that and that's always it always the head on the swivel looking at what's around him it's very intelligent footballer looks really really good exciting prospects and Sean moving on to Max Matters came on at half time. Was you couldn't he couldn't ask for much more off him off the bench getting the two goals. No, Matt is probably one of the most underrated strikers in the league. Uh, he's he's clinical. Um, I don't know if, if it's possible to get his conversion rates, the stats on you know on what his conversion rate is this season because it's it feels like he doesn't miss too many chances. Every time he's in the box, he seems to be scoring. Any attempt I see him at anyway, like I think he's eight eight or nine goals already this year. If he, if he gets ball to feet, his weakness is probably in the air, I'd say. But if he gets ball to feet, or if he's if the ball is out in his left foot, like his finish. In what ball, regard? In what regard do you think his weakness is in the air? Like attacking well, wise, because defensively he's 
he's probably been crucial for us this season. No, I mean, I mean, in front of goal, I mean, in front of the opposition goal, I would say. Yeah. Um, uh, but like, if if he's uh, if he's got ball at feet, and you know, in those situations where he just has the keeper to beat, or he's got pressure from a defender, like we've seen a couple of times, you know, you're putting your your money on it to score. Yeah, because he he doesn't flinch at all. Like those two finishes, like the, you know, take nothing away. They're both excellent finishes, especially the first one where he where he takes that. You know, he's nearly at the edge of the area, and he slots it into the far post. It's quality, quality finish. And then his reactions then for the second one again, and he is that he's got that fox in the box aspect to him, where if anything lands at his feet, he's finishing it. He doesn't need a touch. He can just one time bang, he's gone. Um, I think. And especially with Keane in the number 10, I think that works perfectly. I really, really like that. And I don't think it affects Keane in any way, shape or form either. I think it actually benefits Keane having Mata ahead of him because it gives him that hold-up play. It doesn't affect Keane's scoring rate either because he's been playing since Russell's come in. He's been playing the number 10. He's been scoring goals for us. You know, it, it's only... It it works, Sean. Sorry, Sean. It, it works for me. Keane and Mata playing right... But we need to be fair enough up the pitch for it to work properly. I think sometimes I think he, Matt gets a bit too isolated. Um, yeah, sorry. I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you a hundred percent. And it's actually it's something that you were all touching on in regards to Burton, and it was a point I was going to make then as well. I didn't, this isn't the Rob, Robbie Burton podcast, but it feels like it at the moment. But it's a appreciation. He's the future. Pod. He's the future. Hey, uh, yeah, he's the future. <laughs> but the king is dead. Long live the king. <laughs> But um, just in regards to that, Donald, I think with Burton, you've seen it in the second half against Bowes, he brought us up higher by getting the ball ticking over quicker. We were able to get it up that little bit higher because we were moving it far quicker. In the first half, you've seen it. There's no slide on Bulger or Cawley. Bulger's come back from injury. Cawley's fucking ran his heart out for this club for the last few weeks. He's given us every last ounce that's inside of him. He was tired. We were taking too many touches on the ball. We were letting balls settle, get into position. You can't move up. We're pegged back straight away, and it's our own doing. Whereas when Burton came on in the second half, he was pinging balls left, right, and centre. Morehan was doing the same. Morehan automatically jumped up to his level straight away, and he was doing it as well. They were pinging balls, and it was pushing balls back, and we were allowed to get further. And then we seen the benefit of Keena in the number 10 when we were that little bit higher. Because when Keena, he's so intelligent playing in that 10, he drops into these little pockets all over the pitch. He's a nightmare to defend against. Because if you're setting your defensive midfielder, sit on him. Your defensive midfielder doesn't know where to go because he could be out on the left wing at one point. And the next thing you know, he's in, an, it, it, in at the 18-yard line. He's all over the place. And Kane is constantly on the move. And he's so good on the ball, he can take a, t- a ball on the swivel and he could take two players out of the game. So when you have Burton coming up that little bit higher, we become a real threat in the final third because we can just turn a game in an instant. And then you have quality out wide and ahead. It's it's amazing what one central midfielder can do to a team. And I think we've found something here that could really, really work for us and bring us up to another level again. And like that, you have Niall Moran, who, in my opinion, has stepped his level up another bit and he's progressing all the time. Uh, Connor's him and hawing there. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Niall has shown more dribbling potential on the ball lately. He's He's coming out of tackles he's he's kind of beaten one or two lads you know it's another aspect to his game that's improving as well I just I think we're coming on something here and you know it's it's by design Russell has come on this he knows exactly what he's doing he's seen he has the players there so I genuinely do think going into this final 
final third of the season, we're in a good place, and we're, I think we're going to see the fruits of the labour. I think I think Niall has um, since Russell has come in as well. I think he, you can see there's there's a definite emphasis on trying to be more positive on the ball. You know, I think Niall's biggest criticism that he got was side where it's back where it's safe, always saving the ball. But I think since John has come in. Whether or not not saying he's he's ran games or he's been pinging the ball over the place or everything he's tried has come off, but you can definitely see there's a greater emphasis on him on him being more positive on the ball. Uh, you know, a lot more forward passes and as you say, Sean, a lot more taking lads on mm. in in tight areas instead of just turning around and taking a safe pass back. If you're in a dangerous area and there's a chance to go at your man, go at him. He's probably been told, and he, he's starting to do that. You're starting to see, and look, he's well capable of it. You think he has it in him? The lads. go back. Magoo, go back to the Motherwell game where he, he turns the two Motherwell players at the edge of the area. Yeah. Like, he turns them that quickly. They were up in the fucking stand asking me for directions where to go. Didn't know where to where. They were lost. He was three gone. months ago, three, three or four months ago, like, that, that was just going back to the right back, like, or the centre half. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's it. Like, that's my, my criticism of Moran is, is just as you said, Magoo, he's, he is too safe. There is too many sideways balls. And I, 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 I just want to see more forward passing and and taking chances and if he plays balls forward or he's like looking to thread balls through and it doesn't happen that's fine make the mistakes but at least try it more often like you know yeah that's that's what i want to see it looks like it was deliberate from the previous management to tell him that you're playing the six so nothing nothing everything's safe don't lose the ball like we heard before wait i don't know we had one of the uh, players on said about liam the first, the first two thirds of the pitch, don't lose the ball. Do everything. Yeah. Everything is very regimented. It's it's down to a plan. Pass, 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 safe pass. You know, when you get into the final third, you can have a bit of off the cuff stuff. But the, for every the first two thirds is always safety first. And I think that was seen in Niles' play. Like and and looking at he done what the manager asked of him, and that's what players do. That's what you have to do if you're a player. But I think now you can see that John's trying to get him to express himself more because he knows he has it in him. Well, Donald said earlier on, like. He was in relation to Paul Cook shouting at players to move the ball faster. John Russell is doing the exact same thing. I yeah. sit beside the 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 dugout, and he's himself and Ryan Casey are roaring just that: move the ball, move the ball, move the ball. Um, but like we haven't spoken about Burton there in the last thirty seconds, so um, just to bring it back into the frame, uh, <laughs> going forward, you know, if if he is the player that that um, we hope he can be for us, he will probably play six, wouldn't wouldn't he? That's what it looks like. Yeah, well, you could have, you see, you probably have just two of them in a in a double, and then yeah, double pivots, and you have the two wingers and and Kane and Matter. Personally, going forward, I see us changing formation. Anyway, I don't think we'll be playing a four-two-three-one next season. I could even possibly see in a score with a three-five-two. Um. I think we're set up for wing backs. I think with Paddy Kirk and Lewis Banks and Colin Horgan, I think you have wing backs there. So you have, and I think we're edging more like you see Levac being brought in, you know, Burton's on loan. Hopefully something can materialize out of that that he stays longer. Levac, um, Levac, Frank. <laughs> Frank. <laughs> uh, you know, they're central players, uh, not necessarily wingers we're going for. I could be wrong. It's just something I think. Who's the back three? I think it could work for us as well. And I think, you know, you could have Keena and, you know, Matt up top and Keena dropping deep on that as well. Who's the back three? Who's your back? Well, 
we see what happens with Gary Buckley with Shane Blaney he's going to be a mainstay and then we'll see what happens with Nando Pinecker as well and look I'm sure Russell has a list as long as his arm of players that he wants to bring in as well, you know. What about this uh, Cameron Evans chat from Dan McDonald on Twitter over the last couple of days? He's uh, currently with Waterford, I think. He's a Swansea player, but like he's with Waterford. The window's closed. He's not with Waterford. He's not with Waterford last year. Ah, so he's, he's unattached, is he? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. He, I mean, he, he looks like he could be a bit of a player and, and according Still to bags uh, potential with him as well. Yeah. According to some Waterford fans, he's he's a decent player. But you know the new the new the new breed of coach these days. That it's it's there's no set. You know, years ago you'd have a certain coach. You know, fucking bring in Sam Allardyce, and it's it's yeah. four four two with a big man up top, and that's it. The lads these days they'll 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 be very fluid and they'll switch formations no problem. Like they'll every day in the training pitch they'll be they'll be going from one formation to another and back again for different games and so. Like as Sean said, you could see three five two next year, but like we still have still four two three one and four five one. You know what I mean? To and be, you need those options, Miguel. Yeah, hundred percent you do. And different, different player. Like yours, as you say, Frank there, Frank. He's playing out in the right wing at the minute, but like he's probably not his favorite position. He, but all these lads, like Frank, can play there now. But then you switches, and it, it in a different system, he might be. A far better option and different, you know what I mean. Yeah. So you have all these different options. That's where you need your squad and your different formations like that to suit certain players and certain games away from home, at home, whatever. Um, well, you look I at think... you look. It's it's a perfect point, Miguel, because you look at it last season and you go back to you know under Buckley and how we played, and it was a regimental four-two-three-one. But even the style of play didn't change, no matter who we were playing. Everything stayed the same, and yeah. you're seeing the second half of the season where we fell off a cliff. Because we were so easy to predict. Every, every team knew how to play against us. It wasn't rocket science. It was the easiest thing in the world to come out. And then we ended up throughout that having to fucking live off individual brilliance throughout games. It yeah. wasn't where it was a team goal that got us, got us a victory or anything like that. It was Johnny Kenny tearing, some, tearing fucking a defender apart or, you know, the uh, freeze was pulling out moments of magic here and there. That's kind of what we ended up living off. Whereas now under Russell, you're seeing the development in the squad, in the team. You're seeing, you're looking at their, the Bulls game. Like how many games is that? I think under Russell alone, we've gone behind three times. Three times, yeah. Back and won the game. I can't count any time under Buckley that we went behind and came back and oh, won the game. That's the truth, yeah. yeah. You know, you so like already three games. Behind, we, were, we were fucked like. Yeah, you knew it straight away. Even yeah. the second Bulls scored the other night, I did, I was like, oh, obviously raging. But I said, no, we're not dead and buried anyway. We've been the better team since the restart of the second half. You know, we're well in this game and we will go on and do something. But like before, that was just a not, you could nearly go home. Or if you're, it was away from home, switch off the TV, whatever it may be. But under Russell, there is a development. There's a, a new desire in the side. You can see it. And obviously there's a new level of fitness. And that's clear as day. You can also see, Sean, from the first few games when Russell came in, like we had the Derry game here at home, right, which was brilliant. And then we had UCD away. Now you can make excuses for that because they were all going holidays next day or whatever. I'm sure every man knows what it's like when you're on your last day of work. You're ahead of us. But then there was the... Who was it here at home? Um, Harps. Was it Harps where we played really bad? 
it was a poor UCD, game. But... It was, it was uh, UCD as well, wasn't it? UCD is right, though. Yeah. yeah, UCD. And, you know, you had people saying, oh, it's the same old, same old. Sure, he's, he's Buckley's assistant and it, blah, blah, blah. But that game the other day showed where things are turning, where, yeah. where there's a definite, like, Russell has the vision in his head where there's an end goal and he's working to that. And you can see it slowly but surely, week on week, coming to fruition and the, the, the team changing and molding into him and Ryan's way of thinking and way of playing. Like it's 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 the clear one, as is to see. The one but caveat I see, the one caveat I say to that, sorry, sorry, Sean. The one caveat I say to that is that we do need to find a way of beating teams like UCD and likes of, of Wexford. There, there's like teams that we're we're expected to beat. It's all like we know mm-hmm. big we've, we've big performances in us. Uh, like and that's been proven under Russell several times at this stage now. But it's it's the bread and butter stuff. That's that's what we need to get right. And just like finding a way of unlocking a team that wants to sit in and and let us play let us play football in front of them, the other kind of way. So I would say though, like I know this is probably being discussed. Like the likes of the Wexford game, I would I would give I know it's the cup and all that, but I would give Russell a pass on that because he's only in the door, massive game uh, a few days earlier in Europe. Like trying to manage the uh, trying to manage a dressing room and, you know, trying to maintain, you know, build them up for certain games and trying to manage how you, you know, how, how you build up for each game, I'd say, is one of the hardest parts of of being a manager at that level. And I, like, when we lost the Wexford game, yeah, like, it was disappointing, but I, I kind of, I was willing to give Russell a pass. You know, if we're in Europe next year and we're in a similar situation, I'd be more disappointed you know, I, I'd be, I would be more disappointed next year if we are in Europe, fingers crossed, uh, and we go out to a first division club again in the first round of the cup. I'd be pretty disappointed. But this, this year, just considering he's in the door, considering the history that he's already made, the likes of that Wexford game, and like was the UCD game directly after the Derry game, after the Bala game? No, the well, yeah, but also the UCD away was not directly after Derry. Yeah, yeah, it was on the Friday. We played on the Monday night. That was so on like, the Friday. Yeah, so that like that that was a massive game in the showgrounds against Der- against Derry, and you know again it's it's the kind of the peaks and troughs of trying to manage after the Lord Mayor show. That's it, yeah, yeah. Like that's I would say that that is one of the hardest parts of the job. Like you know, well that's and it, look, it's a good point because you know you go back to that Motherwell game, the high of that, like you won't get many better nights than that in the showgrounds. What? We nearly would have been better off playing Shams in the cup at home after that because you would have kept that high going it would have been a massive game going in you couldn't have got a worse game a cup game at home on a Sunday to Wexford it's everything that wasn't Motherwell you know even for the players it's like what a come down yeah it's, it's a hard one to take and, and also am I right in saying I didn't I didn't see the Wexford game because I was away but Wexford brought a very physical game did they the, but the one had done they're, they're all big last year Wexford anyway absolutely correct yeah. correct yeah yeah like you know more and more the Premier League is more teams in the Premier League are playing football these days you know whereas I look at maybe this point is bullshit <laughs> if uh, I didn't see the game and if if they didn't uh, if they didn't do what I thought they did so let's move on but the point is I think the point is valid though about about beating teams like that but you know, yeah, we haven't spoken have spoke about it now in, in nearly two minutes. Robbie Burton is your answer there, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
He's great though, Robbie Brown. But generally, he? generally, as Sean was saying earlier, the quicker football, the faster tempo is the way you beat teams like that. Yeah. Teams that are sitting back that want to defend. You play the ball quickly, one, two yeah. touch football, intelligent footballers, movement off the ball, in around the back. There you go. That's how you do it. And yeah. and having the better players, bringing in better players like John is doing, is how how you'll get around teams like that in the future. The help of God, touch wood. It's, it, look, it's been a hard thing to navigate as well, Europe and then league games and cup games coming so quick. It's something we're not used to. It's, you know, we haven't been in this position before. And it, it's very hard for a small squad and a young squad at that as well. Like, you know, fair enough, we may have 20 players, but what would you say, seven or eight of them would be youth academy players nearly, you know, just promoted. So, like, that's, they're only feeling their way into first-team football as it is. Never mind coming off big occasions into big, important cup games and league games. It's hard to navigate that. It's great experience for them, and they'll learn from it going forward. And to be fair to them, a lot of them don't even look phased by it at all. You look at Caelan Barno, Clancy, Haney, any of them, they look, they look duck to water, to be honest. But, but emotionally, emotionally, you'd be taking the phone as well. Like, yeah. Up and down and up and down and travelling and game and travelling. And, like, there must be knackers. In, but even... In, even to be listening, look, we all know what Sligo Town is like and what Rovers fans are like. Like, you could imagine they went down to town the Friday after the Motherwell game. Heroes. Heroes. <laughs> were probably carried around the town. They went down to town Monday after Wexford and they were called everything. Losers. <laughs> you know? I mean, people turn around, how are you even a professional footballer? Yeah, what are you doing showing your face in this town? Yeah, you know, to get used to that kind of thing is different. Look at this fella, Aiden Keener. Unbelievable, huh? What is a cup of coffee? Such a lot of Back to Falkirk, you prick, you. <laughs> yeah, but that's and that's that's my point. Like it's it's the it's it's the emotional side of it. Like you know, like I don't know what a manager says going into, like I don't know what John Russell says to him ahead of the Wexford game. I just don't know. Like I don't know how you approach that. Like you know, very hard. Like especially um, when you consider that the prize money for winning the FAI Cup. I know it's not about the prize money as such, it's the prestige of winning the cup and what it means, but like you turn around and you get more for showing the game in England than winning the cup. Yeah. You know, well, Premier, you know, that, Premier, that, Premier Sports are giving you more money just to show the game in England. Yeah. I like, but that's a, good, that, that's a good point as well, Sean, because I'm sure, you know, from a financial point of view, there's, there's uh, the, the boys' bank accounts will be better every round of Europe to go through. So you are going to be yeah. a, bit, a bit more tuned in, right? Yeah. Sorry, I might just make your point for you there, yeah? Sorry, sorry. All right. <laughs> anyway, Robbie Burton. <laughs> right, lads, we'll move on now to... Should we do a separate show just on Robbie <laughs> Right, lads, we'll move on now to shouts from the Shed End. Don't forget, you can get your shouts from the Shed End in on a WhatsApp voice note on the number 085-815-9767. And we can hear those now. Hi, gents. It's Jerry Keaveney from uh, down in Tipperary with a shout from the Shed End for the Viking away game. Uh, say la vie. Quite a humbling experience. Um, watching last night uh, I missed three of the goals because the stream cut out but um, a Viking are Viking are a team we should aspire to be in terms of their professionalism their 
stadium is obviously amazing. Hopefully, with our centenary, that's something we can reach to, even if it was a portion of the size. Like, fully enclosed around, it was electric. The place was rocking. Um, but uh, more in their footballing capability, I thought. Their intelligence, their their movement was superior to ours. Their enthusiasm was superior to ours. Albeit, look, we conceded two early goals, but keeping the mental, the mental side of the game was equally as important. And I think the players sort of failed to do that. Um, and it's, it'll be hard for them because they were sort of shown up and not against their own fault but just they were shown up on, on the big stage and they didn't, re- they didn't they look back and go they didn't put their best foot forward uh, I thought they did try quite well and Tina and Mata had some good opportunities but they were sort of pop shots from distance but then when you saw when they got the penalty, yeah, at the end of the game, there might have been nothing to play for, but there was that driving into the box and driving the players that Viking did all night. And we sort of, we shied away from it, or we ran into traffic, which is, we didn't go for the space, we didn't work the space, we couldn't find to work the space. Um, one thing I'd be interested in your thoughts on are, thought of the entire game, a lot of their attacks came down, their attacking left, our defending right, basically on top of banks. And I don't know, was he left out to drive by his winger, or was it just a um, bad tactical management? Um, but they seem to make inroads in there more than any other area of the pitch. Um, look, I suppose we go back into bows now, and I look at the league table today, what, what are we, 10, 11 points from, from third? Like, okay, we got a good dollop of European money this year, but we need to be getting there next year. And, jeez bit concerned about that now but uh, I hope to be a big crowd next week fill the place give them a great buzz and um, yeah it's the bread and butter not as exciting unfortunately the league but equally as important for our future up the Rovers well lads David McGee here at my show from the shed in for the Bulls game yesterday the first half was as bad as it gets you know it was terrible we just didn't settle into it it was very very scrappy and Bowles looked a lot better side than we were just simply because we were red rank and useless and um, credit to John Russell he made two changes at half time and he ultimately changed the game Max Mata with two cracking goals two sharp alert finishes and he looked to, to, to get in behind but also provided a threat in the air and a focal point up top allowing Keena to drop in be more creative and Robbie Burton was fantastic when he came on he was in class demanding the ball using it to, to move to play forward and drag this up the pitch a little bit I thought Shane Blaney was excellent as well. He's turned into a real leader for us over the past couple of months. And the spine of the team is looking really good now. Yeah, we lost Ed McGinty. I've no worries about Luke McNicholas. Um, and right through with Blaney, Buckley, the lads in midfield going right through to Kina and Mada. So happy days on that front. Carlos Sullivan I thought was excellent as well, playing in a more unfamiliar right-back position than, than on the wing. And we've, as I said, a free hit on... Thursday night against Viking get some more minutes in the belt for players maybe who hadn't played and let's roll on to Pats away on Sunday and get another three points and overtake them big big thing mentally to come back from a goal down so happy days keep keep the pod going up the bit of red this is Sean from America uh, Bo's game result was was great we got the win came from behind so that's all well and good first half was awful and uh, I think when we actually start to play around on the floor, 
is when we're at our best. But the pass around at the back and then just lumping it up front uh, and hoping somebody gets there is not working for us. And I think we'd be better off giving that a break and playing on the ground, which will eventually help the long game. But, like I said, uh, second half, they made the changes and we started to look a lot better. Uh, Aiden Kina playing in the 10. Uh, he does a good job, but he really should be up top. And we have enough players who play in the 10 who are natural to that, more natural to that position, which I think would be a better way to start off with uh, with them in the 10 and Kina up front and then swap them around if, if need be. But all in all, the uh, game turned out pretty good. Um, we got the two goals, came from behind, like I said. So the boys are in it, and uh, we're on the Thursday. We'll see. That's the only thing that really disappointed me about the game was the uh, was pretty much the crowd. You know, the it, it looked uh, like there was a lot of empty spots, and didn't really seem. That's hard to s tell on the stream, but didn't seem like the crowd was all that into it. Um, but like I said, it's hard to tell on the stream. Anyway, um, we'll see how it goes on Thursday. And then uh, on the pass next weekend, which is a huge game. So, up the Rovers. That's your shouts from the Shed End. Don't forget, once again, you can get your shouts from the Shed End in on a WhatsApp voice note, the number 085-815-9767. So, Sean, Sean from America mentioned there he wants to see Keenan the nine. Uh, what do you think yourself? Look, I can understand everyone's views on Keane have been in the number nine. He's, he's a natural-born finisher, probably the best striker in the league. Well, not probably, is the best striker in the league. Um, but I do think we have more value to him in the number 10, as I alluded to earlier on, as to why I think it's going to work going forward. But I think yeah, with Max Matter, you're just going to see a proven goal scorer there in the number nine. It'll, it'll switch in between games anyway, as we've seen already with the European games. Russell will see fit where, where Keane will sit as the number nine and where we need maybe three more experienced midfielders in the middle of the park. It'll it'll chop and change, but I don't think anyone should be too worried about Keane playing in the 10 because it won't affect his goal scoring that much and we're all around a better team for it, I think. That's good. You could play Keane at centre-half when he's to be classed. He could play anywhere. I said that's what I said to be far. Yeah, I think he's one of those footballers. Yeah, I think he, he wouldn't be able to sell that in anywhere. You give it a go anyway. He's like Aaron Green. You play him anywhere. Aaron Green, will you stop? Aaron Green, yeah. Anywhere, anywhere apart from fucking here. <laughs> that's, why, that's why you were off uh, the pod for so long. Comments like that. Best left back of the league, Aaron Green. Right, lads, we'll move on now to the latest news. Uh, first bit of news is that the women's team were knocked out of the FAI Women's Cup last Saturday. They were defeated 3-1 by Bohemians. They were 3-0 down at halftime, but... A very strong second half, which included Lauren Bowles' first goal of the season. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough, and they have been knocked out of the FAI Women's Cup. The women's team now play the same opposition, Bohemians, on Saturday at the showgrounds at 2pm. So hopefully, once again, maybe get two home wins in a row. As well as that, uh, 
probably a future women's player, you could say Emma Duffy from Ballyhane in County Mayo. She has been selected on the Ireland Under-16 women's squad for a training camp at IC Carlo this week. So congratulations to Emma, who is part of the Sligo Rovers Under-17 women's team. And I'm sure herself and there'll be a few others Sligo Rovers players on that team in a few, whatever, weeks, months, years to come. And they will form the spine of a senior women's team for years to come. Now, moving on to the next bit of news, I suppose, is start with yourself, Magoo. Ina Clancy has signed a professional contract with Sligo Rovers. Yeah, uh, great news. I think he's a cracking prospect. Um, I've taught him for the last couple of years now, watching him, 70s, 19s, and he's grown. I actually remember seeing him before that, uh, playing for Manor in kind of cup game. Okay, I can't remember who they played. My review or somebody. I don't know. I think we were about 5-1 or something that day, 5-0. He was playing centre midfield and he was the best player on the pitch. And any anytime I've seen him since, he just he, he looks better every time I see him. Um, real prospect. And it's a great signing for the club because there was talk of him maybe going to UCD or whatever like that. And uh, so I think it's great business by the club to get him tied down. And Sean, once again, another another academy prospect, you know, another player coming through the academy, signing the professional terms is great to see. Absolutely, Connor. Look, this is what we're building the club around, you know. This is the whole point of the the effort that's been put into the youth system at the club. And this is the fruits of the labour now. And, you know, the fact that we're able to tie these lads down and they're not being tempted to go elsewhere just shows that the, you know, the future of Sligo Rovers is bright. Um, seen in and now play a couple of times and looks a tidy player. You know, he came on against UCD there. He was thrown in at the deep end, really, in that league game. And, didn't look out of place at all. Settled in really quickly. And even against Wexford there the other day, you know, he was decent again. So I think he's going to... Look, he'll need minutes, obviously. He's going to need to develop an awful lot. But, you know, going forward, I think he's going to be an excellent centre-half. I wonder, was it fast-tracked because of the issues that we have at centre-back? Not that I'm not happy that he signed a professional contract. No, I'd say, yeah, that plays a part in it, of course. You know, we've only had three centre-halves at the club this year. So... You know, we needed someone in there. I think Maguire was in there as well, but he's gone to on loan to Battle of which is another good move as well for him. He'll get minutes in the belt. And, you know, I know, I know Magoo, they speak very highly of him, don't they, at underage? Yeah, I speak very highly of the two of them, to be honest with you. They're great, they're great um, hosts for the two of them. But, but I think I think Ian's one was, would have been in the pipeline, whether, whether Bucky got injured or not. I think it was definitely one that was on the table. For the last while, was something they were looking to tie up or tie him down, um, because like Sean says, with the two of them himself, why like they've great holes for the two of them and they're great prospects, like so. That's great. It's, it's, it's great to see the club doing that now. They're very proactive lately with with getting young lads tied up on deals and stuff like that, which is only right. It's the way to go. Like that's that's there are asses down there. We don't as we've been said enough times. We don't have sugar daddies or mm. anyone pumping in money, or whatever like that. Our asses are down in that academy, and we need to look after them and nurture them and look we've great coaches down there we've great head of academy in, in Connor we've great coaches now with the first team so I think it's a great place for any young lads to develop as has been seen with you know three in the last couple of months going across the water it's, Is it, it's worth having just a very quick conversation about uh, like you know your man that was on, on the, the agent that was on off the ball there last week uh, he was talking about um, and he represented some of the players some of the players that have left the League of Ireland and gone to the UK recently 
And he was kind of, obviously he's an agent, he's representing them, he's talking it up, saying that they were going for more money than people had anticipated. But like, case or in point, our own John Mahan again, uh, Cleary has left St. Johnson, joining Shams. And John Mahan is still struggling to to find a starting berth in defence at St. Johnson. He played, a, uh, he played some cracking games to keep them in the league towards the end of last season. But what I'm getting to is, these these players are they're they're being signed by League One and SPL clubs for such little money that when it comes down to it, if the manager signed a fella for five hundred thousand and he signed a fella from Sligo Rovers for sixty for fifty or sixty or seventy grand, he's going to be paying the, the fella he he's paid hundreds of thousands of for instead of the fella he's got in on the cheap because he's got to justify his decision. Of course, yes. Yeah. I hundred percent agree with you, Connor. And like, I think, like, I suppose players need to look at that and understand that, and agents need to stop. In my opinion, I know it's easy for me to say, obviously coming from a, with a like Rovers hat on, but they need to stop devaluing players. Like it's all fine and well giving a fella a buyout clause of of a hundred thousand or putting pressure on the club if you don't. But it comes down to the players recognizing their own value as well and saying that I'm not worth forty, fifty, sixty thousand, and that. I'm worth, you know, for their own sake, when they do make the move, like if they're good enough, somebody's got to come in for them. Uh, and the likes of John Mahan, there's no doubt about it. He was a standout centre-half in the league. He, like we had, the players themselves have to be brave and have to say to their agents, no, I'm not putting a clause in there for, for pennies and that I value myself for their own sake going forward. Yeah. They have to be brave, as you said, Connor. They have to, like... It might it might mean sticking around for one more season in the league, but you know if you were Johnny Kenny and John Mann around this year playing exactly how they were last year, to be fighting clubs off at the minute, to to be the clubs would be baiting each other to get to get near them, and like if there's any young lad or any parents or anything, it's like never mind about the agents. The agents are going to be looking at they don't care about like they're just a commodity to them. They'll, they'll tell them all this all queer about you and you're. You're my client and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's bullshit. But if there's any parents or young lad listening to it and thinking that the agent has done them a favour by bullying the club into putting in a low-release clause, it's actually the opposite because it means there are no risk. There are no risk for a League One or a Scottish side to come in for 60, 70, 80, 100, 150 grand. That, like, that's nothing to some of them clubs. It's literally nothing. So there is no risk. And like, if you're not, if you, I was, it was the other day, I you know Sky News or Summer, there was some club, I can't remember which one, where it was, or whatever, but they were looking for a left back and they were putting 800,000, like League One side maybe or something, or, or, or Champions or something, the 800 grand or something in for a left back because uh, one of the guys was out of injury or something. But it turned out then that's, the injury wasn't as bad as first feared, whatever. So they pulled out of the deal for this fella, which got me thinking, like, they didn't really want this fella at all. They're only getting him for cover for the couple of months or whatever that this lad was was going to be out. So then when the injury wasn't as bad as feared, they pulled out of that. So, like, he was willing, the, the club was willing to spend 800 grand on this fella as just main, basically cover for their main left back without injury. Like, so, like... A hundred grand spending our fellas is absolute drop in the ocean. Some of these fellas. Well, that's it. And look, look as well, like what Joey Barton was saying about um, 
former Shamrock Rovers player Trevor Clark, like, you know, like the way he spoke about Trevor Clark to the media was outrageous and everyone will agree. But again, from Joey Barton's point of view, he doesn't care about Trevor uh, Clark. He he costs nothing or he costs very little. Uh, he'll bomb him out. He's probably making a point to the, to the rest of the squad. He's probably using the poor lad Clark to, you know, Billy be, be, to be Billy Big Banana, ball this fella out of it. Uh, and again, your man, Trevor Clark, is, it won't cost him a thought and it won't cost the club either. And Joey Barton will think he's in a better place because he was the big man who's laid the law down. Yeah. Oh, I definitely agree with that as well. And, you know, Joey Barton, he's made an example out of Clark there, big time. So he has, but he's also been very disrespectful to the lad in terms of his football and ability. You know, he says, oh, you can ship him back to Ireland. You know, he'd probably be good enough to play there now. You know, it's just, he's he's totally undermined the lad. And like Trevor Clark is a very good footballer. He's been unfortunate with injuries. You know, he's had, I think he's had two serious kind of injuries. He's been out for a long time. You know, he just, he just got thrown under the bus. But as he says, Connor, he is, he's setting an example. And it goes back to what Magoo was saying as well. You know, they only, they only gave him a new deal there. And they're willing to write that off straight away. Like, and you're talking about the lower leagues of England here. It says more. Um, it says more about Joey Burton than it does about uh, about Clark and Pierce. Yeah, hundred percent. Right, lads. We'll move on now. We'll look ahead to the Viking game on Thursday, and then the Pats game on Sunday. I suppose Connor, the Viking game, five one down from the first leg. Would you say it's a free hit? Um, like it's a I don't know it's a difficult one as well I don't know how you approach a game like that like do you like it's a European fixture uh, I suppose regardless to the scoreline players still want to play in Europe um, there'll be a big crowd there regardless um, so like I guess he's going to he's going to go with his strongest starting eleven, I suppose. It'll be interesting to see. Like, is this an opportunity now to start the likes of of Robbie Burton? Um, you know that 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 might be one of the that'll be one of the most. That, that's what I kind of want to see. Not to be talking about Robbie Burton for the sake of, it, but I suppose that's for you know if if we get if this if it finishes three 0 but we see a good game from from our midfields um you know that'd be you kind of be happy with that like or if you see some kind of more creative football coming out of the middle of the park I'd be kind of happy with that and don't know what kind of game are you what kind of I suppose what are you looking for in the game I think we're going to win five nil wrong no uh, I don't know. I actually have, I have a good feeling. I have a very positive feeling about the game. Um, I think the tight pitch won't suit them. I think the fans in on top of them, our fans in on top of them. I can see us getting a result. I, I certainly hope we can. It's hard to know, like, what, what do you do? Do, do, you, do you give the likes of uh, Heaney and um, these lads a chance, Kilimbarro and those boys a go? Or do you just, like, go with the, your, your strongest eleven? And trying to win the game, I look. I don't know it's it's a headache for for John Russell to to pick the right team for himself. But having said that, I think like I do think there's a good performance in us. I think like there is probably maybe a a, a, a ghost that needs to be exercised uh, from the performance in in Norway. And I think that uh, I think we're going to surprise a few people on on Thursday. Obviously, it's very hard to see us, uh, bring the game to extra time or anything like that. But I do think we'll get a result. I, I, I certainly hope we do and just one other thing I would absolutely love to see Aidan Keane score I think if Aidan Keane scores another goal in New York he's going to be our all-time lead European goal scorer I think Alan Keane's on too and he is as well 
So I'd love to, I'd love to see Keane get a goal and become our uh, our uh, all-time leading European goal scorer. I think it'd be naturally worthy him to the performance he's, he's put on this season. The go. Yeah, some cracked out wouldn't it be in one season, huh? But um, yeah, no, I I agree with Donald. I think there, it's uh, it's hard to know where what angle John will be coming from at it. But um, like I, as Donald said, there's a ghost to be exercised there, and I think like the lads will be hurting from that, you know, from from the way they went out. Because as 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 good as Viking are and stuff, like are the five goals better than us? On you know, if both teams are playing at their, their maximum, I, I don't know. If, and I don't think the lads, the lads will, be, will be feeling very hurt from that and want to put on a show, I would imagine. Um, it could be some crack if we were tuning it up after 20 minutes. Actually, no. It could be some crack if we were tuning it up after fucking 60 minutes. Huh? It's a place yeah. to be fucking rocking then. Yeah. <laughs> and it's well, it's well within, like, look, as Don said, I'm not saying we're, it'll end up being four in and we go to extra time, whatever, like, but it, it's well within the rounds of possibility for us to be 2 nil up after an hour or 70 minutes like and it'd be a rip roar in the last 20 minutes then wouldn't it yeah I do have us back to go through with about 9.5 to 1 <laughs> I put it on before we got taken apart obviously but we were, a, ma- we were, a, we were a massive we were a massive um, price look I think the main thing there and going back to what Donald was saying you know that we're we're definitely um, able to get a result at home, which would be lovely. So would it, just to show the appreciation to the players, you know, from the fans as well, you know, for their efforts in Europe this year. It'd be lovely just to get the place hopping and get a result. But I think you have to look at, for team selection-wise, you know, even look at Sunday there, you chain Blaney holding his hamstring. Sunday's too close. Aidan Keane came on second half with his knee strapped up. You know, it's... You know, Paddy Kirk has played every game in the last while that left full... You know, we have a seriously, seriously big game on Sunday. I, I, personally, where I'd love for us to go out and, like Donald was saying, get a result, you know, even if it was a draw or something like that, it'd be brilliant. But I think you have to be a wee bit more forward thinking than just dealing with what's in front of you. I think you have to look ahead. And I think Pats is far more important. And not to be disrespectful to the game on Thursday, but I'd play a youth side, and that's been truthful with you. I, I'd actually rest as many as you possibly can. But you don't you don't want four thousand people on the showgrounds showing and, and no and that's the other there. side of it, Dolan. Absolutely, and I know you're going to say, you could get absolutely trounced, and yeah. that looks horrific. So you're caught in that. You're caught. And it's not going to help those. Place. It's not going to help those young lads' confidence either. Getting uh, in front of a big crowd like that and the beating either. Yeah. No. Absolutely, and I completely agree with you. And that's that's where you are caught, and that's where we're caught squad wise as well. But but that's it. Sure. Like the, like the, you're showing. You're right. Sunday's is, Sunday is the is the big game. Um, but um, like if 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 we came away with it, more injuries on the back of Thursday night, it'd be devastating. Like you know, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting one indeed, lads. I suppose. And then going on to Sunday, like it's, it's, it's as you said, Sean. It's a, it's a massive game. One point behind Pat's. Like it's, you know, it's there for it. Like I suppose, fourth spot. Like there is there is there is still Europe available for fourth, isn't there? Well, if if someone in the top four wins the cup, yeah. top three yeah. win the cup, yeah. So I suppose, yeah, it's um, it's a, it's a tough one to see. I suppose who, you know, look like we were, we were saying in the group over the last couple of days. Anybody, you still don't know what's going to happen. Everybody's taking points off everybody. Don't I think it was not even you that was saying in the group. It's like the championship. Um, 
you just you just don't know what's going to happen. And third, fourth, it's all up for grabs. Like that's and that's you know to go back to Sean's point, that's where Sunday is so important. I think momentum-wise as well. If you go on Sunday and you get a win in Ichikor, you're into the last run of games. You know you're on the home straight. If you're in form, you're more likely to take this third spot. You know you've coming up then you've Harps and Drogheda. You're you're following two games, both very winnable games. So you're in a case where you could nearly create some distance and secure fourth alone, and then you're looking at, you're looking above you to see if you're closing the gap in on third. I think whereas you go and you lose on Sunday, you go four points behind Pats. Yeah. And then, you know, you're looking, how do we close that gap? So, you, you know, it, it's Sunday is so important to our aspirations for European football next year. And, you know, I know financially we could probably, we'll be all right if we don't get it. But I just think on this whole building process that we're in at the moment, I think Europe is essential. Yeah. Like uh, Derry have Shams next. Uh, Pat have a bit of a handy run after us they're playing UCD Harps uh, and Draw had a although like you don't know what's going to happen in those games but like if 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 Shams beat Derry it's just it's all up for grabs again like you know and we go, presuming we uh, beat Pats if, or if we get a result in, in Shakur so like it's just all so close I, I don't I don't think third spot is out of the question yet at all and like I don't think Think like things are rough enough for uh, for Higgins up in Derry as well. Like you know, that's that's no that's not going to plan for him either. If we could put four wins, including this Bowes one, if we can put another, you know, four put four wins now together, we'll be right in that conversation. We'll be knocking on that door for third place. I've no doubt about it. And if you're to predict the game, Sean, for Sunday, yeah, it's hard to know. Um, I suppose, well, actually, an awful lot's going to come out on uh, like parts of a huge game on Thursday night. And they've been upset by the fact with their travel plans. Didn't they get stuck yeah. over? They had to come back on regular flights. They had no charter flight home. They had an extra day sitting over there in Eastern Europe. Yeah, so, look, that's that's another thing, you know, you have to take into account as well. Like, their Thursday night is a lot bigger than our Thursday night. Yeah. So yeah. it's all on the line for them. Yeah. Injury time penalties would be... Uh... Yeah, yeah, you'd be loving it, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. It'll be their second. Uh, if that was to happen, it'd be th- that'll be their second. Uh, the last round they required extra time and penalties as well, didn't they? Yeah. So their their minutes are add- adding up. And look, they're like us. They don't have a big squad either. You know, Clancy keeps a tight squad, so it's not like they have massive rotation options either. Yeah, interesting. I suppose that. Next few next week or so ahead, so um I think that's about us, is it? Or will we go on or predictions or anything or I think I yeah. we'll go for predictions time now, lad. I suppose Sean, if you're to give a score line for Sunday. Um one nil rovers. Connor. Uh we'll go behind when we win two one. Donald. 3-2 Rovers. Oh, oh I can't deal with that. <laughs> it's a roller coaster shot. Oh, no, no, no. no, no. Is it ding dong or uh, do we take the lead or how, how does it work? I think uh, maybe they go one up. We score three. They get one close to the finish, maybe 90th minute. 
and we see the game out and win 3-2. We all, we all leave with Jacor saying, <laughs> Am I right in saying, is that what happened last year? No, we, th- we won 3-1, or maybe it was actually, we were 3 we were comfortable off. actually would have been, the game that qualified us for Europe was pretty similar, right, I think. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. 3-0, 3-0 in, in score last, well, it was, yeah, 3-1, 3-0 in score. 3-1, actually. What was it? It was 3, I think. 3-0. The Freeze got that rocket, wasn't it? The uh, Freeze, Kenny, and... That's right. McDonald yeah. free kick. That's right, yeah, 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 that's oh, right. Man, Ronan. Man. That's off the top, uh, and for anyone listening, that's clean off the top of his head. He's not looking at a phone or anything there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he is. I can see some sort of reflection in his glasses. Thanks for joining us this week. Thanks, Sean. Cheers, Ron. Cheers, lads. Thanks, Connor. Thank you, Ronan. Thank you, Donald. Cheers, Con- cheers Ronan. Cheers, Connor. Cheers, Sean. Cheers, everybody. And thanks to Magoo, who has best blank best room. Best room best That's it. More drama here. Gilani. Stenson's head away at the far post, and over it comes Elliot Stenson!